0: Jesus is my life, oh, if that be true for all of us all the time. But it is a statement of faith, isn't it? And this is what we want to live by. It's time for our kids to leave us for Kids Church, so thank you leaders and kids. Submission part three, and this is based on Ephesians chapter six, verses one to four, and this is part 22 in our series on the Epistle to the Ephesians. So we are now in the last, we've crossed over to our last chapter in Ephesians. Chapter 6, like all the other chapters, is, is packed to the brim with lots of instruction for us for living the Christian life. And not just living the Christian life in an ideal world, but living the Christian life in a decaying world, in a decadent society. Let's recall that we are on the unpopular subject of submission. We don't hear a lot about submission out there, but it's certainly here in the Scriptures. And, and this morning we are continuing to deal with the family dynamics. Last week it was husbands and wives, what that looked like. And this morning we addressed the relationship between parents and children. I think this morning we're on safer ground. There shouldn't be a lot of controversy, but anyway, let's see what, how we finish up. I'm sure we're all aware that the family unit is facing challenging times. I, I would say in, in, for the last few centuries, one of the most challenging times. Uh, governments in the West are encroaching more and more into family life and the education, their own version of indoctrination in in the children, in our children. Family breakups, permissive lifestyles are all taking a toll on our kids and in society. And while it's easy to, 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 to blame the kids of today for the many things that are going on, much of the responsibility comes to us and the society that we are leaving for them. And while we might not be able to stop the tide of change that is occurring, during the period that the children are under our care, and I'm saying children and there is an increasing influence, as it should be, I think, from grandparents onto children as well, that during this period that they're under our care, that that we are training them to face these challenges. And, And we are training young people, we are training adults. So let's continue to look at God's blueprint for the family. Let's not listen too much to society and the influence, the pervading influence out there, but let's go back to what God says. First of all, we will address children, verses 1 to 3, and then we will address parents. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The, The word obey as you probably gather, means to be under another person's, under another authority, another's authority. It would apply to a soldier in the army, obeying orders from superiors. Similarly, the Apostle Paul says to children, do what your parents say. And children and the kids will retort with the usual, why? And and the parents will say, because... Because their parents are caught on to the teenage lingo lingo as well, right? Because. What do you mean, because? Well, just because. But let's look at some of the becauses. Because of what reason? Well, firstly, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. It says here, in the Lord. As we saw in regard to the wife, she is to submit to herself, to her husband as unto the Lord so it is with the child to the parent children are to obey their parents for Christ's sake the words in Colossians 3.20 are very similar children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord it's a twist but it's the same This this means that the the children's act of obedience is more than just to their parents, but to the Lord himself. So that's a very good reason, right? that's, That's where it begins. Because. Because why? Because of the Lord. That's why. It also assumes that Believing parents will always want what is best for their offspring. And I know that in in the times that we live, and in history as well, this can't always be assumed, that parents will always do what is right for their family and for their children. In an increasingly selfish society, uh, we can't assume this. But here, in God's plan, Believing parents will always want what is best for their children. So firstly, for the Lord's sake. Secondly, because it's right. It says here, for this is right. Uh, There is an order in nature that God has ordained that argues for the rightness of an action. Let me explain a little bit. It means that it doesn't require a special revelation from God. It is what we call natural law. That as creator, God has written his natural law in all human hearts. He did this at creation, and the fall certainly spoiled quite a bit of that, but the natural order of God's law continues irrespective of the fall in fact there is more incentive to obey God's natural order now we saw a good example of this last week, Uh, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh, that is natural law This is what God has set up. It's his imprint on humanity. And here, it makes perfect sense. Since the parents brought the child into the world and since they have more knowledge and and wisdom than the child, it is right that the child obey his parents. Unfortunately, a modern version of This verse would probably be Parents obey your children, for this will keep them happy and bring peace to the home. Or ask their permission if they think that some an advice that you've given them is good or bad. It doesn't say that. You're the parent. There's no consultation here. Because, you see, this is this is contrary to God's natural order. And, and, and we are seeing the replications of this in, in the wider society. Look around. There's a generation that's been taught that they don't need to obey authority if they don't want to, if they don't feel like it. And this was prophesied in Romans 1 and in uh, 2 Timothy 3 where we find that disobedience to parents is a characteristic of the last days and the last days that we are living today. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to, um, 1 to 5. But Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days People, people will be lovers of themselves. Just look at any social media, Instagram, TikTok, the rest. People will be lovers, you know. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of, um, of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous. That's enough! Come on, you know, give me a break here goes on, uh, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, Having, have nothing to do with such people. Ouch. It's in the scriptures, this, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. You reject this, you're rejecting the word of God. Now every time I read this as a young man, under my father's authority and mother's authority, I read this, you know, growing up in church, and, and I almost got a chuckle, a giggle, because I said, why would parental disobedience be amongst <laughs> these lists of pretty bad behaviours? And, and, and I said, why? I said, you're kidding me, it's, it's a bit of an exaggeration, right? But as I got older, a little wiser, I think, and became a father, I could see the connection and the decadence that is associated with it. It's all, it all flows from that, doesn't it? It's another confirmation that God's word is always right. We ignore it to our peril. We don't have to make it relevant. It speaks to our times, to our society. It's clear as a bell. So, what's another reason? A third reason to obey our parents because it is commanded. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now, although the New Testament teaches that we are not under the law but under grace... This shows us that the the righteousness of the law is still a revelation of God's holiness. His character has not changed. So we can't simply discard the law because we've entered into grace. There's a term for that, it's called antinomians, anti law. All the Ten Commandments, you would note, are repeated in the New Testament except one regarding the the Sabbath. And indeed, this commandment was actually repeated by Jesus himself. Honour thy father and thy mother. So it's, it's, it's actually much more, even though this is God's imprint when he started the family back in the garden. This is more than just something natural to society. We as believers, we as God's children who acknowledge him as our Heavenly Father have to recognise that this is his command. And it's not only important to obey but to obey in such a way as to honour, to show honour to our parents. That word honour means to estimate or to Fix value upon. That definition paints a beautiful picture, I think, of of what honouring a father and mother is. To value them. They're not always going to be around. Trust me. To consider them of of high esteem. That's honouring in the truest sense. This is why the attitude of obedience is exceedingly important. It is possible, as we know, to obey with an icy coldness, which is correct in action, but wrong in attitude. Okay, Paul, well, what does it look like? Well, I'll give you an example from the Bible. Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son, which we should all know pretty well, right? While the rebellion of the youngest was clear, it was obvious, everybody could see it, everybody could see the consequences of what he was doing, the true attitude, and this is how the the, the parable ends, the true attitude of the older son, who, who was back home, was at first disguised but then it was revealed and this is what it says it says here in uh, Luke chapter 15 verses 28 to 29 the older brother became angry and refused to go in so his father went out and pleaded with him but he answered his father "Look." All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Can you see it? Can you see it right there? He was obedient. But look at the words he uses, slaving. He was treating his father like a master. There was no mention of love, of honouring, it's, it's like it's almost reduced to the, the level of, of a slave to the master when he always had everything. And the father says, well, everything I have is yours. Everything, it's all, we're all part of this. World. We're all in this together. And yet he was basically accusing his father of being a slave owner. How sad, isn't it? How sad. And, and, and I see this, I see this, and, and in some cultures it's even more pronounced, right? That uh, th- there's a the kind of sullen obedience that is dishonoring because it, it depersonalizes de-per- the parents. Any obedience is done out of mere duty and not out of respect. Can you take out the rubbish, man? Oh, okay. You do the dishes. Uh, uh, one, uh, it, It's just. and and it's not out of done. It's not done out of uh, respect or honor or, or love. It's just simply an action. And while we think that we can hide it from our parents, i tell you what, we can't hide it from the Lord. When he tells us to do something, to our Heavenly Father, we can't hide it from him. Because God reads our minds, he reads our hearts, he knows it all. Fourthly, why do we obey our parents? Because of the blessing, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now it's obvious that this, this blessing can be much more easily applied directly to the people of Israel for whom the promised land was was part of the promise. It, it's in the word, the promised land. They were linked, they were attached to the land. But in but in the, even in the Old Testament, one of the guaranteed ways to have a short life on earth comes from Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 to 21. And I'll read it. If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gates of this town. They shall say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton, and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town are to stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Now, if this law, let's just be honest here, if this law was enforced... There might not be many of us left here this morning. Right? But through God's grace we're here. But you know, just look at it, that, that many of the mental health issues that uh, people face through throughout their lives have their origins in the home. One of the The throw away lines is, oh, that person's got daddy issues, right? Unresolved issues with mum or dad. Um, An application of this verse, um, at the moment, eight people take their lives, it's over eight now, uh, in Australia every day. About seven of them are young adults, male usually, every day every day. It's way over 3,000 now. So much of the, the teenage emotional disturbances and physical problems comes from an attitude that is, is contagious, this rebellious attitude toward a parent. And psychologists agree, psychologists agree and counsellors and others that, that a bitter, a resentful heart causes ulcers and loss of appetite, it upsets your digestion, impairs the use of the mind, it causes many other serious physical disturbances and they go seek medication through alcohol, self-medicate, through drugs and alcohol in order to not deal with the, the issues. That is why the Word of God promises that honouring the Father and the Mother will actually mean a lengthening of your life. That it may go well with you. You have a better chance. You you will, you will be someone who has, has, is, 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 has been launched from a springboard to life if you're able to, to understand what it is to honour your mother and father in the home, it'll be much easier, as we're going to look next week, to then honour and respect your boss at work or the policeman on the street or the judge in the courts. It flows on, you see. Now, having spoken to the children, now we come to the fathers. Verse 4, fathers do not exasperate your children, instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The word uh, translated fathers could also be translated parents because it includes both the father and the mother. But having said that, the, the emphasis is largely upon the father because the ultimate responsibility for what? happens in the home is the fathers. Having said that, there is a notable increase, as we know, in the number of lone parent families, and there's been an explosion of this in the last 40 years. Today, one in five children live in a lone parent family, compared to just one in 20 in the late 70s. So it's... it's really increasing quite a lot. And a lot of them, most of them are 80 to 90% of them are single single mothers. So what is the word to the fathers? Well, the challenge for fathers is, it says here, firstly, do not exasperate. Other versions have, do not provoke, do not incite. In Paul's day, Let's just go back to the context in Paul's day. In Paul's day, the father was supreme. And when a baby was born, the baby was set before him, before the father. And if the father picked up the baby, the baby was accepted into the family. And if he didn't pick up the baby, it was rejected. This meant that the baby was either sold, given away, or in Quite a few cases simply left outside the door, exposed to the, to the weather, to the elements, to the animals outside. And this is where actually a lot of Christians used to go and pick up babies around Rome and other places in some of the other cities and bring them up in a Christian way. So these ladies, these babies that have been exposed. And, and leaving your baby outside was, was legal, it was normal. So you can imagine the impact of this letter when he tells fathers not to provoke or irritate their children but to to care, consider. Not to tell them, oh, I never wanted you anyway. Right? No. It's your child, he's your son. Don't, don't provoke your, your, your children but to care, consider, take into account their ultimate welfare. So, And and what Paul already said with regards to the authority between husbands and and wives, now is applied to children and parents. It it says, fathers, don't use the authority over your children to abuse them. And and the reason why Paul addresses the father specifically is because he is the one who is more prone to provoke the children more so than the mother. I think, as as I've said before, that fathers tend to love conditionally while mothers tend to love unconditionally. It's just the way that I think God has wired them up. It's not always the case, obviously. Be careful, because what often provokes a child to rebel is harsh demanding discipline which is never accompanied with love, concern, understanding, encouragement, support. If you do one without the other, all you get is this right, rigid, military discipline which says, do this or else. And this will inevitably drive a child to revolt when it comes to adolescence they can't wait to get out secondly nurture them so firstly do not exasperate secondly nurture them and this is what the meaning behind the greek word to bring up means nourish nurture in the old days the the upbringing of the children was the responsibility of the home the, the the family unit yes this included the the wider household like the the servants and older siblings who were part of the household but this responsibility was was not turned over to someone outside of the household The exception would be if they were turned over for full-time religious training, like we have the example in the Old Testament where where Hannah took Samuel to be trained by Eli, the prophet. Even though Eli did a terrible job with his own sons, he did a wonderful job with Samuel, as we we saw. And I know we, we live... In interesting times where the financial pressures of today means that many, many children spend a lot more time in childcare, especially in those very sensitive formative years. And I hate to be saying this to parents who already have so many pressures on them, so many demands. And, and I can understand that many parents do leave their kids with guilt, guilt-ridden, because... How also are they going you know, to maintain the household with all the debt? But I want us to pull back a bit and say, and say this, that please consider the nurturing of your children as your prime mission to God in this world. And I just want to pause there because that is, if we need to take that as, 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 as our first and foremost mission field before we look outside. If this means that on some issues we have to do without, we have to, you know, can't have everything, we're going to have to drive that old car a bit longer and all that type of stuff, so be it. Because you're only going to have this, this limited amount of years at which you're, you have a tremendous influence over your children and then they're gone. And following on from that, I think it's also important for Christian parents not to be careful not to outsource their spiritual responsibility in their home to youth leaders or Sunday school teachers or scripture teachers. You are the primary teacher in the home before you start outsourcing your spiritual spiritual responsibility to, to those in church. They are simply there to confirm what they've already been taught in the home. That's the way it works. Thirdly, discipline them. In Hebrews 12, we have the connection between trials and discipline. We read, Endure hardship, this is Hebrews 12, verses 7 to 9, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? It's almost like, uh, when, when does that not happen? It happens all the time. If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. It might, it might have taken a few years later that we said, thank you for straightening me up. It's, it's the idea of learning through discipline. It's, it's talking about correction that may be verbal or indeed corporal at times. And now we're getting to something controversial again. Many parents, you might observe, have folded over to popular psychology and educators and social workers who oppose any corporal punishment at all. You're abusing the child. You're not supposed to hit them. Let them express themselves. Let them do as they wish. If you discipline them, if you punish them, it will suppress their personalities. Oh man. Really? You should see the personality in the playground. Where all the bullying and everything come from. If the Bible is clear on this, on the consequences Society are, uh, they have to be evident. Because lack of discipline will make a child insecure, miserable, self-centered. The result, what's it gonna be? Well, this is where the term a spoiled child comes from. One who expects to have his way in everything, cares little for anybody else, it's all about him. He's the king of the castle. And please, children, please remember this. And boy, I do remember pretty well. Your mum and dad will discipline you in the context of love. The world will not be so kind. Not on the street. Not in prison. Not anywhere else. Not even those peers that you so much want to hang around with they will not discipline you and treat you with the love and respect that you get in your household. Fourthly, instruct. Instruct. The original meaning is admonish or to encourage. And the book of Proverbs is full of language of a father Sharing his wisdom, encouraging, correcting his son, uh, sharing wise counsel from his, to his own sons. Because the advice that he received from his father, from his grandfather, he is now passing on to his own sons. And and this is what we read in Proverbs. Just one example, Proverbs chapter 4 verses 1 to 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father. There it is. Still tender and cherished by my mother. There it is. Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. We must instruct our children. If we don't, then the world is going to do the job. And sadly, the Bible records the consequences of fathers who do not instruct and train their children. In our series on King David, we saw the example of how David, King David, he had many wives and many children and he neglected Absalom, right? And later, you know, as Absalom was behind him, he was undermining his leadership, he tried to pamper him and finally we end up with what? We end up with a dead Absalom. And no matter how much David wept for him, there was nothing he could do bring him back. The story is there in the scriptures for our learning, for for, for us to learn the lessons. This is what can happen. Instructing the child and here again, I need to be clear on this, also involves allowing your child to take risks. Let them take a chance on their own. Yes, we want to protect them from the big bad world that is out there, but this can actually harm and do more damage than you realise. And and I think a lot of Christian parents are guilty of this. We we think that we are to keep them from making mistakes. No, we are not. Hopefully they will learn from their mistakes while their mistakes are not too serious and small by all means set limits which builds a security in a child strengthen them up, buttress them up prepare them for the big bad world but eventually you're going to have to release them you're going to have to kick them out of the nest like the eagle they're going to have to learn to fly let them take risks and they might fall might get hurt But you know the limits that you set are to be made with love and understanding. And apply the law of natural consequences as they grow up. Discuss, by all means, the pros and cons when they are of an age of understanding. Let them decide and then let them live with the results. Again, back to the prodigal son. The son came to the father, I want my share. The father said, yeah. <laughs> and he went, and you know the consequences. And then in the pit, in the pigsty, he understood how much love and understanding he had back home, and he returned back home. I think many of us have prodigal sons, prodigal grandchildren, continue to pray for them, continue to uphold them. It's a very hard task at times in which we live, which are the last days, which we know about. And finally, you know, every every conscientious parent recognises how difficult it is to exercise our God-given authority over our children. The delicate balance of being... Tough yet tender. It's not easy to maintain, is it? Yet yet, I think many parents intensify this rebellious spirit by being dictatorial and harsh. While others yield the moment that their authority is tested. They give up. And when a strong-willed child resists, the pressure to give in for the sake of peace and harmony can be overwhelming. We know that. Especially when the voices of this godless society are all around and they're deliberately trying to undermine the beauty of the family as God created us. But parent, please take your responsibility seriously. Listen to God's instruction before you start listening to the world. And after all, remember that your children do not belong to you. They belong to God first and foremost. You're only going to have them for a while. Then they're gone. May God bless us as we listen to our Heavenly Father in all things. Amen.